the joy of the season we celebrate, the snatch away from us, the peace that God intended all men to experience. Last week, we looked at this. We looked at the ghosts of the past that haunt us, steal from us the joy in the message of Christmas. We've been using the character of Ebenezer Scrooge as a character study that, to let us, and, and now we're going to go further into that, and we're going to look at the things that take away, other things that take away the power from the gospel. Ebenezer Scrooge, if you can tell from this little blip of a clip, was so entangled with everyday life that, 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 that he, he was mad at his nephew for taking up his time and making him late to go to the exchange to transact business. He was aggravated with a very, I don't know if you noticed how faithful Bob Cratchit was. He knew what Ebenezer Scrooge had need of before Ebenezer knew. And he was standing, waiting at the door. As Scrooge looked to rip somebody's head off because he needed a hat, his hat was waiting there for him. And Ebenezer Scrooge was so caught up, not a thank you, not a, Oh, hello. Well, I suppose you need tomorrow off, don't you? Did you catch that? And he was so caught up with what was going on around him that he could not tap into the joy and the peace and the things that God had given him and made available to him. He could not experience them in all their goodness, in all their glory. He could not experience Christmas for what it was. Christ Mass. Not only that, he could not embrace them in Christmas, he could not embrace others or their needs that were going on and around his life. Once again, I want you to remember something. We are not just talking about Christmas. We are talking about the gospel of Christ. This goes much more farther beyond than just this holiday season. It goes much farther beyond the next couple of weeks. It goes on and on in the rest of our lives. Let's look on, you know, let's go to the next clip, okay? I'm going to describe it real quick. We're going to go on. Listen, there's a scene right after this where Ebenezer goes to the exchange. He's caught up with making business. He's a very shrewd businessman. And he walks in to the exchange. There are some men who've been bartering with him to, to make a transaction. They waited too long in his estimation. He's like, that will cost you 5% more today than yesterday because you waited. Oh, and they're, they're just really, well, what about the poor? And he cares nothing about the poor. And he's like, I don't care. That's the price. Well, we'll take the price you offered to share. Say, you'll take what I offer today or you won't get it. And if you wait till tomorrow, it'll be 5% more on top of that. He turns around and walks away and smiles smugly. Oh, okay, we'll take it. And then two other gentlemen approach him. Mr. Scrooge, I presume, yes. Yes, you do presume correctly something. They go into some little discourse. And they're wanting to help less fortunate people. And he is so caught up with his, his, his business and his stuff and his, that he's like, well, pretty much he kind of responds like Marie Antoinette. He's like, well, let them eat cake. Let them go to the treadmills. Let them go to the other places. Let them go to the workhouses. Who cares about them? I've got things to do. And, he, and, and they're left like, he says something about, well, some of them would rather die than go to those places. And his response is like, well, let them die then. Maybe they, will, maybe they will decrease the surplus population. And he's just very, uh, and you, at that point, I don't know about you. Me, I'm sitting in front of the TV or whatever. I want to reach into the TV. I want to grab his neck and go, ah! That's just me. That doesn't sound very much like a Christmas, but I'm just like, man, don't you get it there? People around you hurt. There is 
things to be done. You've been entrusted with a great trust. Man, come on, get with it. You know what? He was so caught up, he could not see them. Let's go on. We're going to talk about the entanglement of the temporary. There are several things that will grab, grab a hold of you that will not allow the gospel to have any effect. They, they, they will not allow your, uh, your, your family to enjoy their time with you. They'll, it, it'll take away from you your ability to, to minister the gospel. It'll take away from you right now the joy of serving the Lord during this blessed celebrative season. One of those things is concerns of current circumstances. Matthew 13 talks about this. And, and there, some of you may know this, the, the parable of the seed and the sower. Look at verse 7 and 8. It says, Behold, a sower went out to sow. That's verse 3. 7 and 8 says, And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. And he goes, But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And there were four different kinds of, of ground that the seed fell on. But we're going to look at this one where the, where the thorns choked up choked out the, the seed of the word of God. Verse 22 says, Now he who receives seed among thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. It's been mentioned here on several occasions. Nathaniel uh, and I, we just discussed briefly about him doing the, 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 the offering, and we didn't discuss that. Patrick didn't know what I was going to talk about this morning necessarily. We knew the topic, but doesn't know the content. Jim did not know exactly. Jeff did not know exactly. But listen to me. There's a lot of things going around right now about, the, about your economy. There's a lot of things going on right now, right now about your particular circumstance. There's a lot of things being spoken to you that would make you, like Patrick said, all the negativity You've got to stand up today and say, you know, that's not going to ensnare me. I am not going to get entangled with these temporary things. They are not going to steal my joy. They are not going to steal my peace. They're not going to steal my relationship with Christ. They absolutely are not. Because they will, they will choke in around you. The cares of this world will grab a hold of your heart. Listen, those things that are thorny, are the temporary makes life thorny. They, these are temporary issues. They are not going to last forever. They may be very difficult, and I do not want to sound un, uh, less, less than compassionate. I understand there are very difficult things going on in and around the lives of people right now. Do not misunderstand me. But if we have the wrong perspective, if we do not base our hope and our strength from this right here, if we do not base the direction of our life, the attitude of our hearts on this thing right here, we will have no joy. We will have no peace. We will have no hope. We will have no love. We will have no faith. We will have nothing of significance because all this stuff, I'm going to read the scripture in a minute, says all these things are passing away that are temporary. But the things we found in this scripture, they are eternal. They last forever. They are powerful. Is that good? Listen, if you find the thorniness of life grabbing a hold of your heart, You will never see the need. Let me give you guys some, some of you, this economy may be frustrating you right now. This is the source of topic. Let's talk real quickly. Just, I, mean, I, want to give, I want to give you a statistic I heard this week. How many, of you a, how many of you right now have a refrigerator with food in it? I see your hands. Okay. How many of you have a bed and a pillow? 
How many of you have a home, some sort of a shelter, that does have a roof over top of it? How many of you have, now ladies, I'm not picking on you, I promise. How many of you have at least one pair of shoes? You know, what that, you know what that makes you? You are in the top 25% of the world's population in wealth. If you have a refrigerator with food in it, if you have a bed and a pillow, if you have more than one pair of shoes, if you have some sort of a shelter with a roof over top of it, you are in the top 25% of the wealthiest people on the planet. Does that offer some perspective for just a minute? Huh? Does that give you a grip about what your circumstances really is? I heard that this week, and it just kind of went through me. I'd already kind of built the message to the degree and had, had sought the Lord about what to say, and then this thing popped on, on my radar, and I went, wow. Because sometimes I don't look at myself like I'm there. Do you guys do that? Sometimes I don't feel like, you know, you ever go like to an event and like a ball game or someplace like that? And you go to you go to stick up to the concession stand and go, good night. What are they charging for food around here? You know, I go to the Reds. I plan to get a set of nachos and a drink. I can just throw ten dollars down the tubes right there. You know what I mean? I love the nachos. Give me the works. You know what I mean? Everything. The jalapenos, the salsa, the sauce, the biggest pile you can get, and the biggest drink you can have. And right there, I, I remember walking up to it going, man, that's ten dollars. Good night. You know, does that seem like a lot of money for some nachos and a drink to you guys? Anybody in the house? It does seem like a lot of money, but you know what? I still spend it. You know what that makes me? In a lot better boat than like 75% of the world because I'll spend $10 on nachos and a drink. Does that sound crazy? Huh? Listen, we are, we're not, we're not, it is, we are not in a position to be in as bad a shape as everybody's making it out to be. For some very good reasons. Our God rules and reigns. We just sung about him. Listen. I'm kind of off track, but that's okay. The scriptures still tell me that in a time of famine, Jeff talked about being faithful a minute ago. God is still the same God who took a prophet who was faithful and said, you know what, everything else may be bad, but I'm going to make sure you get fed. I'll send birds if I have to. I'll make sure a brook is running close to your house that you have clean water to drink out of. He, he's still the same God who, took, who looked at Peter and said, I know you have to pay taxes. Go check out that fish. There's a, there's a coin in the middle of that mouth. Grab it and use it to pay. Your... He's still that same kind of a God, and he will take care of you. The, the scriptures are still true. David said, listen, I, am young, I was young and now I'm old. And I have never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen their seed begging bread. Listen, it may not come as easy as it used to, but listen, God's going to take care of you. Now, there may be other things that are present right now in your life that are choking up the word of God in your life. Maybe there's a circumstance at work that's currently ongoing, and you're just like, ah. And the joy and the peace of God is not there for you, and you're, you're concentrating more on that than you are on him. Maybe there's a situation in your home that's going on right now, and you, you just want it to be fixed, and you want it to be over, and it's the present, and it's current, and it's going on right now, and you don't know how to take care of it, and you're like, oh, and, 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 and joy, and peace, and hope, and faith, and love are being zapped from you, 
Listen, those are present circumstances. Those are temporary. They can, and as long as you keep your eyes on God, they will change, and they will change for the good, I promise. Because he's good, and because he's faithful. You know, we get so entangled with, 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 with these temporary things, we lose sight of the message of the gospel. It's no longer there in our heart. It's the essence of the celebration of Christmas. What do you think, when you think of Christmas, what's the, the, the first thing in relation to other people you think of? What do you think about doing with other people? Buying things, giving presents. Is that true? When you think of what you're going to do in the holidays and how other people fit into that, isn't that what you really kind of think of? Some of us, we can be honest in here, can't we? Some of you are sitting right going, ah, Christmas is coming, what's everybody going to get me? It's all right to think about that. Can we be honest? Some of us are thinking that. You got that list together, and you know that one particular family member always makes sure they go over the top, and you're like, I can't wait to see what they got. Am I right? Come on. I know you do that. My wife and I first got married. She was amazingly uh, captivated with Christmas. I could not hide gifts. I had, to, I had to get creative to keep them from her. And there's still a couple places in our house where she still does not believe that I actually hid presents there. I looked in there. It was there. I'm just telling you, it was there. And some of us get all amped up. When we think of a giving to other people, we think of the giving and the receiving of gifts. And we think, man, but you know what? Sometimes we get so up with what's going on that even that doesn't have any joy. Even that doesn't bring any peace. Let, let, let's look at this. Let's look at another little clip about, about Ebenezer. It's a real quick one. He's walking the streets. And pay attention to what grabs his attention. Just real quick. Go ahead. A robe, Ebenezer Scrooge. You know, Christmas morning. some peculiar power which emanates from your torch? Oh, yes. There is. Look at Ebenezer here. All those people, some of them, some of them destitute, some of them maybe his friends, some of them acquaintances, and he walks right by them, and all he can see is the buying and the selling that's going on. 
He does not see people. He does not see hope. He does not see joy. He does not see peace. He does not see, he sees, you see, for, for the first time in the whole movie, he kind of really, really smiles. There's a lot of buying going on, isn't there? Oh, Ebenezer. The ghost of Christmas present says, the spirit of Christmas present says, listen, we've got to stay on, on target, on track. Listen, the entanglement of the temporary, the reason it's so intense is because we find security in things that can be captivated by our senses. Sensual security is the thing that will entangle us. 2 Corinthians 4, 18 says this, We do not look as Christians at the things that are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Do you get that? The word seen means to be captivated, to be able to be, be grasped with physical senses. You can see it, you can hear it, you can touch it, you can taste it. You can smell it. Do not all those things... Grab your attention from things that are really important at times. When you look at the condition of your home sometimes, sometimes that pulls your attention off the things of Christ. Sometimes when you look at the bottom line in your checkbook, it pulls your attention off the things of Christ. When you look at the circumstances and hear things going on at your workplace, they pull your attention away from the gospel of Christ. When you are aware of things in your neighborhood that are frustrating, they pull and grapple grapple and, 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 and pull your focus. That tug of war begins between your spirit and your physical person and you go back and forth. First, first John 2.15 says this, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the things we can touch, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, all of those things that are in the world are not of God. Anyone who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. All, let me read it again. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, it's temporary, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. You know what? The, contextually here, contextually here, in 1 John, part of it is John's trying to teach Christians how to interrelate with one another. It's about relationship. He's talking about loving your brother. He's talking about the greatest commandment. The whole, the whole thing is like, and he's saying that your Christianity has everything to do with your relationship with God and then how that your relationship with God translates into your relationship with other people. And he's talking about that whole scenario. And he says here, these things fight against that. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Don't you know that things... Oftentimes, things that, 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 that our flesh wants are the things that, that, that cause us to be pulled away from God. When we see things with our eyes and we watch all the commercials on TV about what we've got, you know, every, right now the big thing is all that new HD technology stuff. You know what I mean? I, one of the news programs the other day had like every kind of TV on the planet. And you're like, oh, I'd really like to have one of those. And my eyes start locking in like, hey, wow. Anybody, does anybody else ever do that? Anybody? Hey, they got 0% financing on those new cars. I really can't afford one, but I could lessen for one if it was like 7% to buy one. It's only 0%. So, man, I might go ahead. You guys do that? And make purchases and things just because your eyes see them and, they, and it likes them. Do you guys do that? You know what's the problem with that? That causes our relationships to be hindered. You know why? Because we want what somebody has and we, don't, and we get aggravated when we don't have it sometimes. Does that happen? What about our relationship with our family? We work and do all sorts of other things. 
to get the overtime. And then there's things that get by us. You guys ever watched the movie The Christmas Shoes? You ever watch that? And there's this guy. He's a lawyer. He's trying to make it big on the, in the world. At the expense of his daughter, he doesn't even go to hear her sing at a school program because he's caught up in the office. And his wife's like, what is going on? And he's like forcing her to go get a job. He's already arranged an interview. And all of a sudden, his family life's being torn to shreds because he's got this pride of life thing. He wants to be the best lawyer. He sees everything. He wants this house over on the other side of town that everybody else is moving to. And he, his lust of his flesh is going crazy. And his family's being destroyed right before his eyes. And, and he doesn't even get it until partway through the movie. Like, that's really even happening. Do, do we do that? Do we? those things grapple for our attention listen the thing about it is it messes up our families and, and our relationships i want to show you one more clip from this movie watch how ebenezer's greed how ebenezer's concentration and selfishness on himself and what he wants completely destroys a relationship that's only for his good from his nephew fred let's see that real quick <laughs> Dear husband, do you find my playing so amusing? Oh, I'm sorry, my love. I was thinking of his face yesterday. Humbug, he said. Humbug. He said that Christmas was a humbug. He believed it, too. <laughs> I'd very much like to meet your uncle, sir. The droll way in which you portray him tickles my heart. He's a comical fellow. <laughs> but not so pleasant as he might be. His offences carry their own punishment. Dear brother-in-law, it's said he's very rich. Yes, well, that is very true. But his wealth is of no use to him. He doesn't do any good with it. He doesn't even make himself comfortable with it. He must squander it. That's what you mean by comfortable. You mustn't argue with those we visit. It's useless and even tactless. Tact is quality out of spot. That, I can see. I have no patience with him. Well, I have, and I feel sorry for him. So <laughs> sorry for me? <laughs> Who suffers from his ill whims? Himself, always. Here, he takes it in his heart to dislike us and uh, not come and dine with us. And he loses a very good dinner indeed. The reason that I talk about my uncle, sir, is that my mother, God rest her saintly soul, was very fond of him. She loved him. It's true. Fan loved me, and I her. Dear Fan, I wish you were alive today. Fred looks very like her. Yes, I've been reminded of that just recently. I was only going to say that the consequences of his taking a dislike to us and not making merry with us is that he loses some pleasant moments, which could do him no harm. And I mean to give him the same chance every year, whether he likes it or not. <laughs> and every year he'll say, Christmas. Bah! <laughs> Listen, we all have elements where these sensual things gravitate and try and pull us aside from things that are really important. The gospel, the people, the friendships, the relationships, the family that we have. They're subject to change. You know, the Bible says that God uh, desires us to bear fruit. John 15, 8. 
So this is intended for us to bear fruit as Christians. But we cannot if life's all about us and what we want. You know, right now, we, how many of you guys, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't do that. Some of you, a few weeks ago, g- grabbed a hold of, of, of some angel tree where we, we help provide Christmas presents for people's families when the, when the parents are incarcerated with prison fellowship. You guys, you guys remember us doing that and gave away all this? You know what? We still have an opportunity. We have, we're aware of some other families who, who have need of Christmas. Right now, you can turn the focus off of you and your, and your need. You know how you can do that? You can make an impact on somebody else. We're aware of a couple more families who, who don't have incarcerated issues, just have need at Christmas, and their children are going to go without. You know what you can do? You can turn the focus off of you and your issues and your stuff and help make sure the gospel of Christ gives us somebody by the giving of gifts at Christmas time. Would that be cool? And you know what you can do? You can see Brownie and Nancy. Wave your hands, Brownie, in case everybody doesn't know who you are. Brownie and Nancy, right for service, have a few names of some other children we're going to provide, we want to provide some gifts for. If you can help us with that, oh, please do. And get the focus on how bad your situation is and get it on the, on the possibility that you can make something good happen for somebody else. That will change your perspective. That will change how things look. It doesn't have to be all about you. And if it's all about you, you're going no place fast. This is about extending grace and mercy, love and compassion, gift and everything to, to, to everybody else. The question is now, how do we turn from the temporary to the eternal? We're going to look at real quick two pieces of scripture. Let's look at grasping the eternal so we can let go of the temporary, the temporal. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 1 real quick and look at the guy named Joseph. And his job, what he did was he chose God's plan over his own preservation. He chose God's plan over his own preservation. Matthew 1.18 says this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with the child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take you marry your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done, the Bible says, verse 22, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took, from him, took to him his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her son. And he called his name Jesus. Several things about this. One thing we know about David, or David, Joseph, he was a just man. You know what that means? He had a reputation. He was known of being of a certain caliber of a person. Suddenly, the lady he's engaged to be married to is found with the child. Do you understand what a big deal that is? And at that point, Joseph could have said, you know what? I am done with this. And a matter of fact, he, he was contemplating that. The Bible says he, 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 he didn't want, want to act rashly. That tells us of his character, the kind of character he had, the reputation he had. Well, he was about, well, well, he thought about these things. He was contemplating what he should do. He cared for Mary, but he's like, man, I don't know if I want all that stuff that goes with that. Wow. If you guys have ever seen the movie, The Nativity Story, it's a great movie. I would recommend it highly. It gives you a lot of insight to the background of Mary and Joseph and that whole scenario in that little town where she, she's found with a child before she's married and the whole nine And you go, you go wow. He, went, he didn't act rashly. He also, Joseph did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. 
You know what he, you know what he did? He took his own reputation. He took his own character. He took his own stuff that people thought about him. He put it on a back burner and said, you know what? I'm going to follow what the Lord says. Some of you may be sitting here going, dude, if I make the stand God wants me to make in this current situation, this current circumstance that I'm in, people may not like me. People may look at me differently. People may think, what is his problem? People may, you know what? If you're going to walk like Christ, if you're going to, put, if you're going to confront the spirit of present circumstances, you're going to have to step out like Joseph did. You know what? I'm just following the Lord. I'm doing what he said do. I'm going to be what he said be. I'm going to step away from that. I'm not worried about my own preservation. In fact, the Bible says this. If you would seek to save your life, you will lose it anyway. If you seek to lose your life for the sake of Christ, you will find it. And I'm going to tell you something. Joseph found his life that day. He made that decision. He embarked on a journey with God that would radically change not only his life, but the history of the world because he chose to do what God said do. He got to play his role. He got to play his part. You don't think it's insignificant any, any decision you make where you choose Christ over your current situation, where you choose Christ over your own self-preservation. Do not think that a small thing. Make decisions based on the fact that you want to do what God said do and not on your circumstances. You know, I think about this. I love this part. He did not know her. He made a choice not to be with Mary. He he, he loved so much what God was doing, he decided to follow it clear to the the very end. Is that awesome? You talk about putting yourself on the shelf. You talk about putting yourself out to make sure the plan of God took place. He did that. He put his own issues, his own desires, his own wants, his own things down. He said, God, I'm just going to be what you want me to be. I'm going to do what you want me to do. The second thing you can do, look at this. We're going to look at another story. We're going to talk about choosing Christ's worship over the wishes of others. Luke 2 says this. It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. You guys know the story that all the world should be taxed. And so all went to be registered and Joseph went up to Galilee with Mary as betrothed wife, she was ready to be delivered. And she brought forth her son, verse 7, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Now there were in the same country, verse 8, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swollen clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem. Let us see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known this thing which was told them concerning this child. And all those around it heard it and marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. You want to know this about the shepherds? Most of these guys were not self-employed. They were being paid to watch these flocks by night. Because the guys who did own the flocks wouldn't be there at night doing what they were doing. They were, they were a lot of, in a lot of cases, those shepherds were guys who were there just fulfilling a job, taking care of something for somebody else. It was somebody else's job to take care of those, somebody else's responsibility for ownership. They were just being employed. You know what they did? They packed up and left their job in the middle of the night, left the sheep unsecure, left them unprotected, walked off and went. How many guys know probably go over real good with your boss? 
Well, you know, I was in the bathroom at work the other day, and I was just, you know, doing my normal everyday stuff, and this angel appeared to me and told me to go do this, and I'm sorry, I go right off the clock. You know, most of you aren't going to have a job the next day, am I right? Huh? They chose to worship Christ rather than the wishes of other people. Listen, some of you right now feel like there's all this stipulation put on you. You feel like there's all these exterior forces that are wanting you and desiring you to do certain things and to act certain ways and to be something. And God's calling you to do something else. We know that worship is a lifestyle. That it's not just about the singing and the stuff that goes on here. It's about how you live your life. And today you can make a decision to let go of the temporary by embracing the eternal by choosing to worship Christ with your life than, than, than succumbing to those stipulations. And they went. You know what happened? They said, let's go now. They did not wait. They came with haste, the Bible says. When they had seen, they made it widely known what had happened in their, in their midst. And I went too fast. And you know what? Things changed. Other people heard their story and could not believe. And attention was brought to the person of Christ. There's one little character in the, in the, in the story of, uh, uh, of A Christmas Carol. And I think he gives us great insight as to how we can let go of what's going on right now and get a lock on whatever's in. Show that real quick. Can you do that? Do you know this house? Yeah, I guess I do. It's the house of Bob Cratchit. Is <laughs> it? He does very well on 15 bob a week. Shall we go in? I wouldn't want to disturb As with Christmas past, we shall be invisible and unheard. I wonder what's keeping your father. He's probably stopped to talk to the parson. Father always likes to compliment him on his sermons. I do hope the pudding's a success this year. No one makes a better pudding than you, Mother. Peter, say some for the rest of the family. Just testing the cooking, Mother. I'm sure they'll manage very well in their own without your help, young man. Hello, Mother. Hello, Mother. Smell the goose cooking, Martha. Yes, it makes my mouth water. Mine, too. I can't wait. Well, you'll just have to. Now run along with Martha and help her butter the bread thinly. Here they are. Merry Christmas, oh, everyone. You're late, Bob Cratchit. Oh, you're quite like an icicle tin. You'd be dawdling. Father had a long talk with the minister. Thought as much. Come, Tim, listen to the pudding hissing on the fire. It's like a giant snake inside the copper. Go along with your brother and sister, Tim. I'll begin the wine. Off you go, then. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> How did you behave in church? As good as gold. Look how they support him. What did you say? Nothing. It's, um... Nothing. Somehow he gets thought for sitting by himself so much. He thinks the strangest things. He told me coming home that he hoped that the people in church saw him because he was a cripple and that it might be pleasant for them to remember on Christmas Day who it was that made lame beggars walk and blind men see. It seems to me that Tim is getting stronger every day, that his limbs are growing, that he's in better spirits, it seems to me. Yes, Bob. I'm sure you're right. He is getting stronger. Well, we're all here. That's the important thing. Belinda, help me with the goose. Yes, Mother. 
I need Tim. You know what he does? He chooses Christ's preeminence over his own pain. He sits in church in hopes that in his, his, his downcast state that people will see what's going on with him and be drawn to the person of Christ. They will look right past his circumstance. They will look right past him and they will see Jesus. That they will see the one who made lame men walk. That they will see the one that made blind men see. That they will, you know what? Some of you think, I'm going through a very difficult time. What you don't know, as you choose Christ and his preeminence over everything else, over your pain, over your suffering, over your difficulty, the attention is being drawn to the person of Christ because you've chosen eternal values over temporal issues. Listen, right here, what's going on with you right now is temporary. Whatever is going on on this planet that affects you from the outward is temporary. Philippians 2.5 told us, let this mind be in us that was also in Christ made himself no reputation, took away the pride of life, taking the form of a servant, not doing what was comfortable to him, but what was good for other people, and coming in the likeness of man, becoming something that, 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 was, that was downcast, that the message in the gospel of God would be uplifted. Hebrews 12, 1 and 3 says, Who for the joy that was set before him, Christ, he endured the cross, despising the shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary. And discouraged in your souls. Listen, whatever's going on presently in your life is subject to change. It is not eternal. It is not forever. It will not always be this way. There was a prayer this morning about us locking on to the eternal. And, and I don't think anybody really knew my focus for this morning. But they, they grabbed a hold of that. And you know what? We need to lock on to that today. I want you to stand with me. There's some things you need to do. If you don't know Christ, and if you do know Christ, and you just got sidetracked, if you don't know Christ today, you need to do something. You need to come to Christ like the shepherds did. You need to drop with haste. You need to drop what else is going on in your life. You need to come now and come quickly to God. When you find that your life has gotten you off kilter, it has gotten you off track, you need to come to Christ. You know what you need to do? You need to let go of the temporary so you can grab a hold of the eternal. And you know what else you need to do? You need to think about letting, focusing on something other than yourself. This Christmas season, listen, is an awesome opportunity for you to take the focus and put it on someone else. People hurt. People are, 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 are. We, 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 we prayed this morning. There, there, there's so much, I mean, so much need where have a, uh, I just, just found this morning about, a, about someone who committed suicide this weekend. Aware of people suffering physically. They need a visit. They need a card. They need help. There are people who are suffering financially. You know what you should do? Whatever, whatever you have, maybe you should try and make something. You know what? That's the, that's the work of Christ. Listen, the, 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 the shepherds came to Christ. They drop what they were doing. We need to drop sometimes what we're doing and get in on where he is and what he's doing. I'd like for any group leaders to come. If you don't know Christ this morning and the effects and the issues of this life have grabbed a hold of your heart and you have, you're out of focus, you're off track, you're out of alignment with the things of the Lord, we want you to come 
and allow us to pray with you to get your focus back on the eternal, to get it off of the temporary. Father, in this moment of time, God, we know you're not bound by time. We know you're eternal. We know you're above and beyond. It's the blood of Jesus, the life. The thing that makes Christmas what it is, is that Jesus lived, not only that he was born, but God, he came, he died. We just read that he would save his people from their sin. Lord God, we are those people. Your blood has, has been shed abroad that, Lord Jesus, we might come to know the Father. Lord, we have so much focus on, on temporary things that steal joy and peace. God, I pray, Father, that today we would come to you, let loose of the temporary, grab a hold of you, the eternal, and God, let it change everything about our lives. The story of Christmas is the story of God sending his son because he loved us. The story of Christmas is God sending his help because we were helpless. The story of Christmas is God reaching down from heaven into a very temporary world and giving people access to the eternal. If you've not tapped into that eternal, if a temporary has got you ate up, Christian or non-Christian, come today. Allow someone to pray with you. Allow someone to speak into you the life of God, to pray with you and help you get over that hump. Come and let us pray with you. Come now. Let's sing or play or whatever we're doing.